A Platoon of Misery is presented by Eric Hooks. I'm walking behind my fishing buddies when the thought suddenly hits me. We are a mess, a platoon of misery. The name of the place we are going to fish tonight is very fitting. Translated from my native tongue into English, it's called the last line of defence, and we are going to defend it. Just in front of me is the bricklayer. He's been shoveling concrete, loading bricks and climbing ladders for more than 40 years. It's always a wonder to me how he's even able to lift a fishing rod after a day's work. Sometimes he's been moving more than four tons of concrete in a day. He doesn't complain, but you know for sure that when we return to the cars after a night in the water, he will swear loudly when he steps out of his waders. His feet and legs always spasm. A little further up the path is the math teacher. From the outside he looks fit, but I know that the bicep muscle in his left arm isn't what it used to be. A rugby match with some of his pupils tore it apart. But his double haul still works and his casting has such elegant curves that it brings a tear to your eye. We pass a corner of the coastline and get the first view over the beach. The wind has dropped to a whisper. Within less than an hour, the tide will be eastbound. All the small telltale signs are there. A perfect night is being born right in front of our eyes. Up in front is the youngster. He's not even half the age of the rest of us. Born with bad hips, and he started to walk in a way that affected his spine and made one of his discs slip. His hips are fixed as well as doctors can fix hips. Not perfect, but they work. Just you can't say the same about the slip disc. On the beach, he's always trying to straighten his aching spine. It looks like yoga in waders. The youngster used to have more than physical trouble. The tight net of tattoos on his arms all the way up to the back of his hands tells a story we don't really know and don't ask about. What we do know is that fishing led him away from his former path in life, and that to a nearly extreme extent. He's the only one of us that swings a rod almost every day. The result is an endless stream of pictures of sea trout. Sometimes it can be a bit over the top, but we let it go. After all, he is the youngster. We drop down on the beach and unload our bags. Each and every one of us has got his own personal spot to sit. The last one to arrive is the humpback whale. The reason why he was given that name is pretty obvious. Three slipped discs and arthritis in the spine made him walk with his upper body at an angle of nearly 30 degrees forward. His fishing gear is always loaded in small bags to distribute the weight. They all land in the last vacant spot. He will be the last one in the water too. He's so far-sighted that it takes him forever to rig his rod. As the whale he is, he wades deeper than the rest of us because the water supports his aching back. But it has always made me worry. The tidal current can be pretty strong here, up to three or four knots. Respect is recommended. It's not an easy task to walk with stiff limbs. One night he tripped and ended up lying with just his nose above the water, unable to get up. The fly he was fishing with got stuck in his finger. Every time he tried to stand up using the rod as support, the hook dug deeper in. The youngster cut the line and I helped the drowning whale to safety. On the beach, he asked for a pair of pliers and pulled the hook out. Not a sound passed his lips. I thought of his stories about growing up in Greenland. Toughness comes from somewhere. We were all a bit upset, drank coke and talked too loudly about everything. 
then the humpback whale showed the kind of very dry humour we love him for. I didn't catch anything, but I enjoyed the miracle of nature. The roar of laughter woke up the sleeping birds. It's still not time for fishing. We lie down in the evening sun and talk quietly. It's all fishermen's talk. Which fly to use? Which fly worked at the same time last year? Will the current be strong? Nobody knows. The Baltic Sea is like a giant bathtub. Yes, the tide is changing every six hours, but the power of the current is depending on the wind. It can stack the water in one end of the sea, and when the wind loosens its grip, the water comes tumbling back. I make fresh coffee, and my buddies join me for a cup. Some of them pass a joint around. It has never been my poison, and alcohol is totally out of the question. First of all, wading, strong current, and the night is a bad combo together with alcohol. Secondly, you'd have to pull your waders down too often. We stick to coffee. And me, the last member of the platoon, I knew you'd ask. Many years of carrying heavy camera gear and sitting in front of a computer fighting the world's most dangerous animal, the computer mouse, have taken their toll. The muscles in my shoulders and neck sometimes get so stuck that it sends me horizontal on the couch for most of a day, a headache from hell. As a photographer, my camera has taken me to places where things certainly aren't as calm as they are here, walking in minefields, being shot at, and seeing far too many dead kids can still wake me up at night. I've taken pictures I won't show to anybody. Waving a stick makes both my body and soul loosen up. That's my medicine. The last ferry of the day is leaving the harbour on the other side of the narrow channel. It's, it's less than 500 metres wide. The weird thing is that the current bounces like a bullet in a concrete cellar. The current, when running eastward, as it's beginning to do now, will send it right in front of our feet. When it's westbound, we can only see it far out. The sun has disappeared between two church towers in the town on the other bank. It's time. All the wounded soldiers pick up their rods and into the water. The current is strong tonight. We often joke about the fact that we don't need to go to the gym. It takes a whole lot of effort to walk here. And I end up in my usual spot on a bank of clams. In front of me is a salty river. Sometimes I can lose myself just staring at the moving water. When I look down, shrimps are being flushed through at high speed. You can almost see the panic in their eyes. The trout knows that dinner is served, but safety measures make them wait for the dark. I dip my shrimp fly in for the first time. It's like fishing salmon in a river. Cast a bit up against the current and let the fly swing around while stripping it. There's no need to move up and down the coast. The fish will come to you. It's nearly dark now and we can hear the first splashes far out. Hunting trout are closing in. I tie the leader off and fasten three feet of tippet directly to the fly line. The fly is changed to a floating shrimp, or to be more precise, it's hanging like an emerger in the surface. This is one of the most exciting ways to fly fish in salt water. When you see a trout make a shrimp disappear in front of you, the boil is unmistakable. Cast a little upstream and let the fly float over the spot. The take is like a hammer and often the fish explodes into the air, hooking itself. There's always light on the harbour on the opposite bank. A trout hanging in silhouette can take your breath away. The youngster is the first to catch a fish. 
no surprises there. 18 inches of the finest silver, as they all are at this time of year. After a short photo session, it's back in the right element. He catches so many that he only keeps those that are bleeding from being hooked in the gills. A boil in front of me makes me cast. The fly disappears, not a splash, but with a different sound, like a round stone landing vertically in water. Cod, those greedy little bastards. It's almost swallowed the fly. It happens that I catch a good cod for the pan, but most of them are this size, all mouth and no brain. Some years ago, the math teacher and I caught more than 50 of them in one night. He caught the only trout. Next splash is definitely a trout and not a small one. It makes all the loose line disappear out of my hand and it jumps high into the summer night. We end up dancing, or rather, I turn and it circles around me before it ends up in the landing net. What a fish and a keeper for sure. More than 20 inches and nearly totally silver. The belly has begun turning yellow because of the steady diet of shrimp. Platoon halt, it's time to celebrate. The bricklayer is always hungry. He can't see salt water without reaching for his lunchbox. Not even on short fishing trips. Now he drags a box full of Danish pastry out of his bag. He lives close to the best bakery in town. The kick of sugar will keep us fishing for some more hours. My job is to bring the coffee gear. I get it to work and hand out the mugs. There's no wind at all. The water looks like a newly polished floor. The only sound is the seagulls that always argue, distant music from a bar on the harbour and my buddy's low voices. We talk about the world, fishing and life. There's no need for a therapist here. This is much better. We are a mess, a platoon of misery, an army of disabled, but we can still fish. The Platoon of Misery is read by Patrick Johnson, written and produced by Sons Garvey.